on church, just give him five more seconds of praise. Hallelujah, Lord. You deserve the highest praise. You deserve the highest praise, Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody glad they're in church? Come on. Man, I am pumped to be in church with y'all today. Come on. There's just, I, I've said it every service, right? But there's just a sweetness in the room today. Last night as well where, you know, I find that when as a church we're willing to talk about difficult things that maybe the world doesn't like but the Lord loves, that there's just a sweetness in the room, you know? Because we're saying, you know what, we're not here to try and appease the world. We're not here to try and keep them happy or do what's right in their eyes. But we're here telling the Lord, Lord, we're here to honor you. We're here to preach you, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, amen. We're here to preach Jesus. And when we just get back to the Word, you know, I find like it's, I feel it's always sweet at eternity. It's always a good day. But every time we're willing to be bold, step out, hit hard stuff, I just feel like it goes to another level every time here, eh? Anyone else feel that? Feel the presence of God in this place? I'm preaching a uh, sermon series that starts uh, this weekend, last night and today, uh, called Culture Wars, or as you would say, Culture Wars. Culture Wars. And um, we're going to have some fun, and it's going to be at least all of this month, and, you know, probably uh, the first couple of weeks of next month as well, and... You know, because we started like this, and that's fun, right? And um, and then, you know, and I just keep wanting to add more things, you know, and as things goes on, I don't know, we might end up putting like a Ukraine flag up there or, you know, whatever else, you know, come on. <laughs> you feel like in the world, they just want to keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding um, uh, to their virtue signaling. But um, we, we just want to, we just want to talk about as, as many areas as God would have us this summer where we're different than the world. Do you know what I mean? Where we're different than the world. The, the idea of this sermon series is that God's calling us back to holiness. Amen. And um, so I'm going to read to you from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 18 to 24. Uh, while you look that up, I just want to say welcome to anyone who's new to Eternity Church today. Um, we've got a gift for you after the service. So after the service, go out to the lobby immediately to your right. There's a team of people uh, in fluorescent yellow gotcha shirts. And they will uh, give you a free gift just to say thanks for coming. So, uh, But anyway, here we get to it. Isaiah chapter 5. You all ready for that? Yeah. Good. Don't forget to yell at me. We're preaching hard stuff today, but you've got to yell at me anyway, all right? Yeah. Got to yell at the preacher, amen? <clears throat> but verse 18, it says, Whoa. Someone say, Whoa. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes, who say, look, uh, sorry, let him be quick. Let him speed his work that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and let it come that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good. Woe to those who call good evil. Woe to those who put darkness for light 
and light for darkness. Woe to those who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drinks who quit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble and as dry grass sinks down in the flame of fire, so the root, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will go like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is a warning. Come on. That right there is a warning to the world. That if they don't change their ways, that their foundations will rot. Come on. That their lives will be blown away, like as the psalmist says, like chaff that the wind blows away. That's a warning. But it's also a warning to us, A, don't be like that, and B, I don't want my neighbor's life and the bedrock of their lives to be like that of rottenness. I don't want my neighbors to be blown away like chaff. And so we as the church, we've got to stand up We've got to speak up. We've got to declare the way of the Lord. Amen. We've got to be like John the Baptist. Come on, I'm not the one, but I'm pointing to the one. He is the Savior. This is the way. Amen. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of people we love and know whose lives will rot. It's a great warning. Amen. So come on, let's pray. God, I don't want to hate anybody. God, we don't want to hate people, hurt people, judge people's salvation, states of their soul. We don't want to push anyone further away from you. But Lord, we do want to warn people. We do want to help people. We do want to show people the wonder of a life bowed down in holiness toward you. God, I want to love people enough to help them see what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil, what's light and what's dark. God, I want them to see what their life might look like if they just choose to honor you with their lives and how you'd honor them too. And God, while we're not called to judge the soul, you do call us to judge the fruit. And so God, today and over the next few weeks, we want to judge the fruit. And I ask for your help to do that, that we could shine a light on what is good, what is pleasing, what is right, what is light, and what is true. In Jesus' name, I ask for your help. Amen. Amen. Come on, high five one of your neighbors, and you may take your seats. Come on. All right, y'all ready for this? Come on, somebody ready for this? All right, culture wars. Uh, This is going to be an absolute uh, clangor of a day. I'm excited to preach. I've been excited to preach this all week. Uh, My week actually started in uh, Kansas City. We went to a water park down there called Great Wolf Lodge, one of the few places on planet Earth that has hotel rooms big enough for my family. 
And uh, so that was really fun. We had a great time there. We actually went there so we could celebrate the fact that last week on Thursday, we became United States citizens. So come on. So super excited about that. I've already been told by some super tolerant people online that they wish I would go back to Australia. I was like, this so amazing how intolerant the tolerant are, isn't it? So imagine going on an immigrant's page and telling them to go home. So anyway, that happened to me this week. Good fun, right? They don't like it when you preach the Word of God and you preach the truth. Come on. Full of grace, full of truth. Amen. And, uh, but anyway, we're, we're, there is a culture war going on right now, isn't there? People have forgotten how to talk to each other, how to communicate with each other, how to dialogue. Uh, people are quite nasty out there. Uh, but there's also this great big battle over the ideals of our society, right? And, and, uh, and, and, and it, it, there's a real, it feels like a war against Western values. Have you noticed, right? Um, and it's not just a, a war against Western ideals um, that make the, the West the greatest place on earth to live, but against the Word of God that was the bedrock uh, for Western civilization, right? Now, you might be here and you'd be like, that's a bit rich, Pastor. You can't say that the West is among the greatest places on earth to live. Uh, yes, I can, uh, because where is everyone moving in the world, <clears throat> Right? Like, it, it's not arrogant, it's just, they're moving from all over the world, they're lining up by the millions to move to Western countries, in particular the United States, right? There aren't millions of people lining up all over the world to move to Iraq, to Afghanistan, to Russia, to Burundi, but they are lining up to come here, come on. Now, now, now I'm going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks in my racism sermon, so that's going to be fun, right? Y'all ready for that? I've had people get mad at me because I haven't preached a racism sermon. So now I, feel, I finally feel led by the Lord to speak on that. Because uh, I don't just get up and preach on things because people want me to, just FYI, right? And I do finally feel like God wants me to speak on that. Uh, problem is, it's not going to be that woke racism sermon that they wanted. So, um, but it will be full of the Word of God and of truth. Amen? And so that's going to be fun. Um, but we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. But I wanted to talk about the fact that people are moving to, 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 the, um, to the West, right? Because these places, cultures that were, you know, that, that came up from the Word of God, they've got biblical moral systems, they're the safest and the most opportunistic places on planet Earth. It's not because of anybody's skin color. It's not because of the majority of people's skin color in any of those places. There are white countries and there are not white countries that are finding great freedom in Judeo or Christian values. Look at Israel in the Middle East. It is the only place in the Middle East that, that people are actually lining up to get to. Come on, right? Nobody's lining up to get into Palestine. No one's people are all like woke and Palestine this and Palestine that, and they want to take the little rainbow hair to Palestine, and you'll get murdered on day one. You know that, right? But the person could go to Israel and find freedom, right? Because Christian or Western countries are the most freeing, accepting, uh, and uh, and equal opportunity places on planet Earth. But the world hates truth, the devil hates truth, and the world hates truth, right? And uh, they hate God, and so they rebel against it. They want to be their own gods. They want to worship themselves. They want to decide what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's lie. They want to decide what's good and what's evil, right? The devil wanted to do the same thing. Didn't work out well. I don't want to go where he went, 
So I'm not going to do what he did. Come on. I want to leave God in the place of the one who decides what's right and wrong, good and evil, light and dark. Amen. But I do feel like in this world's great rebellion against truth and rebellion against any biblical kind of moral code, the world has gone absolutely psycho Billy Ninja. Anyone else feel like the world's gone crazy? I feel like Aaron Lewis. Am I the only one? Come on, like anybody else, right? Like we got drag queens performing at libraries specifically advertised as a fun night for the kids. Right? Like we're we're in an entire month right now that is dedicated to the idea of being proud of our sin. That's crazy. Am I the only one who feels like that's crazy? Like I feel like the world's gone crazy, right? Uh, We're told that the best way, this is amazing, that the best way to make up for historic racism is to become racist again. Seems weird to me. We're told that even math is racist and that if one race performs better than another, which by the way, it's not the white race that's best at math. So it's confusing that math is a tool of white supremacy. I don't understand. All right. I don't understand anybody else. Make it make sense, please. Right. If a boy thinks he's a girl and you call him a boy, you're guilty of sexual harassment. And even school kids are being charged with that. Am I the only one? We're told that a microbe on Mars would be life, but a baby in the womb here is a tumor. If you don't like it, if I kill you, if you're pregnant, I get judged for double homicide. But if you kill that very same baby, you're celebrated for overcoming the patriarchy. God put men in the position of family leader from Genesis all the way to Malachi, the Italian prophet, from Matthew all the way to Revelation. God speaks about men in the position of family headship, but to say so makes you a bigot. Rappers are role models now just because they're woke. They got daughters, but they sing songs about slaying hoes, but apparently that's all good because they're woke, right? The ones who say you're valuable that God has given you intrinsic worth right now, the ones who say if you live your life God's way, you'll find his favor on your life, they're the bigots. The ones who say you can live in God's favor, they're the homophobes. The ones who say you don't need surgery to be who God made you are the transphobes. Woe to those who call evil good and woe to those who call good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Does it feel as if truth has been completely abandoned? Anybody else, right? Like that feelings have replaced truth, right? People say facts don't care about feelings. Let's go further. Feelings cannot replace truth, amen? The truth is the truth. Have you tried explaining the birds and the bees to your kids these days? Not only have we got the birds and the bees, but we also got the bees and the bees and the birds and the birds and the birds that used to be bees and the bees that used to be birds and bees without stingers and birds with beaks and stingers and bees that used to be bees, but now they look like birds, but they still got their stingers. And it's confusing. It's so confusing, isn't it, church? Now, I don't say that to mock anybody, but, but God is not the author of confusion. Our God is not a God of confusion that comes from the devil. God is a God of mystery. 
Yes, but he is not a God of confusion. All this confusion comes from the devil. There's got to be a better way. In God and in his word, there is another way, a less confusing way, a not confusing way. It's called holiness. It's called holiness. Set apart, sanctified. We're called to be holy, amen. Do you remember the story of the Queen of Sheba? She noticed that something was different in King Solomon's kingdom. So she came to test him with difficult questions to discover why is it better in there than it is over here. But there was not one question that he couldn't answer. There was no mystery he couldn't make sense of. So much so that scripture says there was no spirit left in her. What that meant in that passage was there was no breath left in her to fight. Well, too many churches have stopped speaking. Too many churches are living with our lamps hidden under our beds, but it's time for the church to stand back up, to speak back up, and to take the world's breath away like Solomon did. It's time that we speak again, amen. It's time to take their breath away with our spoken wisdom instead of our foolish silence. It's time to stand out again like Solomon stood out. If you're the same as the world, Sheba won't come and ask, what is different about you? What is the way? How can I experience this? Come on, you've got to be different from the world. You've got to stand out from the world. God's calling his church to stop acting like Sheba and start acting like God's chosen people, amen? God's calling his people back to holiness. God's calling you to be holy. He said, be holy as I am holy. Do you know what holy means in that verse in the Hebrew? It's kadash. What that means is to be consecrated, dedicated to God, separate from the world. At its most basic, speaking to the church, to be holy means to be different and set apart from the world. And we've got so many churches, even myself for so long, that have done everything we can to be like the world. Everything we can to make the transition from worldliness to quote unquote, little g, godliness, as easy as possible. And in the process, the church has become the same as the world, which means we're not holy because we're not different. We're not set apart. <clears throat> For too long, the church has been silent in the culture war that's going on in the world. Silent about what everybody else is talking about because we don't want to rock the boat. The boat is freaking rocking already. It is swaying side to side. You speaking will write it, not rock it. Can I get an amen? It is rocking already. Everybody's talking about it. The schools are talking about it. The teachers are talking about it. The, the superintendents are talking about it. The school boards are talking about it. The councillors are talking about it. The mayors are talking about it. The politicians are talking about it. The governors are talking about it. The president's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it except for you because you don't want to rock the boat. They're talking about it. For too long, the church has been silent about the one thing or the few things that everybody else is talking about. And so our kids grow up never having been given a biblical perspective on these things. We just have teachers talking about it. 
And then we have parents who go home and their kids bring up what their teacher said and the, tip, the parents say, don't talk about that. Or they say, no, nah, that, that's a, because the church didn't equip the parents with the tools or the language to communicate the truth to their children. And so kids grow up without truth. Some churches have even abandoned a belief in the truth altogether. A, a recent Barna group poll discovered that only 41% of lead pastors in America believe and have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? It means that only 41% of lead pastors in America, that the Bible is the bedrock of their faith. Only 41% believe that the Bible should have authority over how and what decisions they make and what they believe in their faith and in their lives. Only 41%. That is scary. Only 13% of itinerant preachers, traveling preachers, only 13% have a biblical worldview. That means that only 13% of them believe that the Bible is the bedrock and the foundation and the anchor in their lives. Only 12% of youth pastors and kids pastors and less than 4% of all church staff in general. That would include groundskeepers and people that make you a latte. Listen, I'm not hiring someone to make a latte if they don't believe that the Bible should be the anchor and the bedrock of their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't want your woke latte. I'll have a cold brew instead. Thank you very much. Why? Because they grew up in churches that were silent. And now more than half the churches in the United States, more than, more than half the churches in the United States believe the same woke doctrines as the world. And God's calling his people back to holiness. He's saying, we've got to get back to being different than the world. They should be becoming like us. We should not be becoming like them. Because wokeness isn't saving anybody. And it's producing followers who don't believe in the word of God, don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible, don't believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth. People are now free. See, in this woke world, people are now free to do more stupid things than they've ever been free to do, but they're more depressed than they've ever been. It's not working. This sin is affirmed more than it's ever been affirmed in all of history, but they're committing suicide more than they ever have in all of history. People have more stuff than they've ever had in their entire lives, but they complain more than they've ever complained in the history of the world. Because what's happening is not working. You're not a bigot for pointing out that that ain't working, son. Come on, that ain't working. It's broken and it's destroying people's lives. What's happening out there is destroying people. We don't want people to get saved out of that and find the same woke garbage in the house of God. We don't want people to get saved out of all that brokenness and find that same brokenness affirmed and encouraged in the house of God because it won't change their lives. They might sing some nicer songs and look at a nice LED screen, but it won't change their lives. We need to get back to holiness. We need to get back to being different. 
but not just different, different for the Lord. Different because we live in submission to the Word of God. Different because this is the anchor and the bedrock and the foundation of my life. Amen. And of our lives too. Set apart. Be holy as I am holy. I'm not telling you be holy as I am holy. He said that to all of us. Amen. So I got thinking about all this. About how churches came to be so woke, so progressive. Progressive is an interesting word, isn't it? Values don't progress. They're anchored. How did the church get such progressing values? How did holiness become such a vomit word in the church? It's always been a vomit word out there, but how did holiness become such a vomit word in the church where people hear you say something like, hey, we need to be holy, and they're like, like, how did that happen, you know? Because there was a time where we thought holiness was absolutely beautiful, right? And I believe it happened for two reasons. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on one of them, the first one, and then I'm going to keep you here till dinner time on the second one, all right? So, and if you leave... We're taking your name. <laughs> Messing with you, I'm kidding. Be holy. All right. The first reason, I believe, is uh, comfort. I believe we've had it so easy in the West for so long that we've become too comfortable. You, um, you see this happen all the time. This is a cycle with the people of Israel, right? You ever, you ever look at the people of Israel and you're like, what is wrong with you freaks? Like, come on, let's be real. Like, I did. Like, read your Bible and you're like, man, you guys are just so, so unhappy. So, just such a lack of contentment and, you know, such a lack of joy and gratefulness in your lives, right? They're like, God, we're starving. Send us food. So, it rains Chick-fil-A from heaven. <laughs> like, literally. It was, it was uh, birds and bread. Come on. Like, it rained Chick-fil-A from heaven, right? Christian chicken. That was amazing, right? And literally, a couple of days later, they're like, we're sick of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and you're like, you're so ungrateful. If it rained Chick-fil-A, I, I would weigh 900 pounds. I love that stuff, right? Like, you ain't saved if you don't have Chick-fil-A once a week, right? And they're complaining about it. How, like, like, God, help Chick-fil-A. We hate that. And then and on and on and on they go. And God is repeatedly having to tell them, hey, y'all, come back to me. Hey, y'all, come back to me. Right? God provides for their needs. He does a miracle in their lives. And they all rejoice. And then they forget. And they get comfortable. And they get sidetracked even by the blessing that God gave them. That happens to us a lot, right? Y'all know that God um, will use all things together for the benefit of those who love the Lord. You read that scripture? That if you submit your life to Christ, he will take the garbage of your past, the garbage of yesterday, and the good things of my past and yesterday to do something great in my life because I love the Lord and I am called according to his purposes. So God will make all things work together 
for my benefit. But listen, the devil does the same or wants to do the same, but in reverse. He wants to take every good thing that God has done in your life and use it to distract you and use it to take you away from God. God has blessed your life financially. The devil wants you to fall in love with money. God has given you a great family. The devil wants you to get too comfortable with it. Oh, look how good my family is. I don't need to work on it anymore. He wants to use what God gave you to distract you or to draw you away from God. And so in the West, God has done a lot of good things for us, right? A lot of good things because the the Word of God was the bedrock and the anchor of our lives. And because of that, God poured out His favor and blessing on our lives and we got comfortable. And we don't want to lose it, right? I know stories of people who come to church and their life was destroyed, broken. They were addicted to drugs and alcohol and whatever else. And their, their lives are messed. Their fam- there's abuse in their family. Uh, they treat each other like trash. Their family's about to fall apart. They give their lives to Christ. They bow down. They humbly say, God, I submit my life to your way. Help me live my life your way. The God lifts them up. Their finances start getting free. Their relationships start getting restored. Their health starts getting better. And God starts promoting them. And they keep honoring God. And God promotes them. And promotes them and promotes them and then they find themselves in a position of influence and now up here they say oh, I don't want to say those things because because I just don't I, I, I'm in a position of influence now I don't want to rock the boat and they forget who lifted them up out of the ashes they forget who pulled them out of the miry clay listen if you've got to if you've got to dishonor God to to honor the world If you've got to dishonor God to keep your favor, that favor will crush you. Keep honoring God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Notice you never see any woke pastors in the underground church in China. There ain't one underground church in China that's got a rainbow flag on their profile picture right now. Not one. Why? Because they still know they need Jesus. God, I pray we don't forget what God has done. God, I pray we don't forget where the good things in our lives have come from so that we don't start conforming to the pattern of this world. Can I get an amen? Amen. Don't get too comfortable. Always remember where your favor and blessing came from and tell your kids the same thing. Hey, all these good things in our lives, yes, daddy worked hard, yes, mommy worked hard, but God poured out his favor when we honored him with our lives, amen? The second reason is I think that, um, that... we ended up in this place where churches got quiet about things that matter because, because for a season there, the church became pharisaical. See, before that, though, there, there was a time not so long ago where we loved holiness, right? There's a holiness movement and the Jesus movement, and they were great movements, and wonderful revivals came out of those movements. But what happened to that? There's a time in our lives where we, where we knew that, there was a time in, 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 recently, I should say, where we all knew that, that, um, that as my wife said at Fearless, that holiness is beautiful, that holiness is powerful, that holiness is incredibly life-changing. We knew that drunkenness was a sin and God calls us to live different, so we preached about it and lives were changed. We knew that sex outside of marriage was sin and that God called us to be different, so we preached about it and people found favor in their relationships and built their marriages on a firm foundation. We knew that lusting after another woman was sin. We knew that, and we knew that lying was sin. We also we knew that faithfulness was beautiful and we, we loved it and we preached about it and we saw people's lives were being transformed as we preached the whole truth, amen. 
Drunkards were finding freedom. Prostitutes were finding freedom. Gay people were finding freedom. People who were addicted to porn were finding freedom. Divorcees were finding freedom. Liars were finding freedom. Abusers were finding freedom. Broke people were finding freedom. Trans people were finding freedom. Mentally ill people were finding freedom. Because we saw that holiness is beautiful, amen? But now instead of seeing someone mentally ill get free, we just affirm it and say it's cool. It's cool. We got people who have anxiety and it's cool to have anxiety. It's cool to have a therapist instead of wanting to find freedom and victory and healing in our lives. Now we're like, just go to therapy for the rest of your life. Come on. No, 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 no. It's cool to get freedom. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that you're bad if you've got a mental illness, if you've got depression, you've got anxiety or whatever else is going on in your life, but it's not cool. We, we, we want to find freedom. Amen. We want you to have freedom. I'm reminded of the, um, the, clean, the, the clip out of uh, Billy Madison. You, you know the bit in Billy Madison where there's a kid standing by the fence and Billy's like, oh, what's up, little dude? And he comes over there, looks down and he goes, because the kid's peed his pants. You know the bit? And Billy Madison is like, Oh, I'm going to fix this. He goes over, gets some water, put, throws some water on his own pants. Now he looks like he's peed his pants. Everybody looks at him and goes, oh, they peed their pants. And then they go, oh, you peed your pants. And Billy Madison goes, oh, it's, no, no, peeing your pants is cool. And then they're like, oh, Billy peed his pants and he peed his pants. And they all peed their pants. Listen, peeing your pants is not cool. It's not cool. And when you affirm and celebrate stupid things, everybody else wants to do it so they can get celebrated too. It's not cool to be broken. It's okay to be broken. It's not okay to stay there. It's not cool to be a victim. It's okay to be a victim. It's not okay to stay there. Come on, right? And we used to preach about stuff so people could find freedom, but now instead we celebrate brokenness and we made it cool and everybody wants to be it. People used to come to churches, hear the word of God, respond to altar calls and get freedom. Why? Because truth is the foundation that freedom is built upon. And if there is no truth in our pulpits, there'll be no freedom in our altars. When people respond to the truth, they open the door to the Holy Spirit to bring freedom into their lives. Now, again, I'm not saying that they open the door and they create freedom in their lives. You've got to hear what I said. They open the door to the Holy Spirit. It's that humility where we get down on our knees and we're like, God, I need you. And God, I'm willing to submit my life to your word. The hard bits, the bits I don't understand, the mysteries. Do you know what's a mystery? Male headship in the family. I don't know why, but God said it. So I'm going to submit myself to the mysteries of the Word of God, to the truths of the Word of God. And God, I'm going to trust that as I do that, that you're going to give me the power to live my life your way. I may feel this attraction. I may have that desire. But it is my goal that as my mind and my heart are renewed, that my desires would change and become to desire the things that God wants for my life. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will work in my life. Paul said that it is not by works that I was saved, but by faith and the power of the Holy Spirit that no man could boast. See, my life hasn't been transformed and regenerated and getting better because I'm amazing, but because I made one decision to humble myself and submit myself to the Word of God and to the will of God. Amen. And that's it. 
And the church got to see all that. Wasn't that beautiful? Seeing what, the, seeing what God was doing in the church. Church saw beauty that came from holiness. And we're still seeing that here. Because for a couple of years, I admit that we, we didn't talk about it for a long time too. And then we didn't see a single person set free from any of those things until we started talking about those things. And then we see people set free from all those things. Come on. Funny that, right? But here's what happened after, we, after churches in general saw that. And I pray we never do this. In an effort to protect ourselves and to stay holy, we started to do what God hated about the Pharisees. And we started to create what's called hedge law. And hedge law pushed people away. Do y'all know what hedge law is? Hands up if you've heard the term hedge law, right? right? Hedge law. Now, hedges are one thing. Hedge law is a bad thing. Um, hedge law, hedges are when you create a boundary around something that's sin so that you don't get too close to it. Doesn't seem like a bad idea, right? It's not a bad idea, right? In fact, for me, I have... I never traveled since I was 18 and knew I was going to be a pastor and read Billy Graham's autobiography. I haven't traveled anywhere alone ever, and I won't because I don't want temptation or accusation, so I'm never alone, right? So that is a wise thing to do. My wife and my assistant, they all have trackers on me all the time. They actually put one in my neck. They said it was a vaccine. I'm just kidding. And then, um, <laughs> and so, so, you know what I mean? Like, like what, what are those things? They're hedges. They're not bad, okay? What's bad is if I then say that, 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 that Paige, you're terrible because you don't have those same hedges in your life and you're in sin for not doing what God convicted me to do. Do you understand, right? So let me give you another example of that. Uh, a good example of that would be alcohol. Drunkenness is a sin. There's no two ways about it. If you're getting drunk, stop that. You're welcome here. God loves you. I love you. I don't care. Well, I care, but, but you're welcome here. Drunk. You're welcome here if you were drunk last night, but stop doing that, Okay. You are in sin. And if you're getting drunk all the time, if you're in drunk and then judging the trans person, y'all are both in sin. Giddy up, all right? So, so I want to protect myself from getting drunk because drunkenness is sin. So then what, 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 what many people will do, and there's nothing wrong with this, is just say, I will decide I will not drink alcohol at all. That's a hedge. You see that, right? And then what would happen as, as time progressed is what the Pharisees did and, and then with things like this. And, and then they'd be like, all right, well, the next generation would see the hedge and say, well, drinking alcohol is sin. And you see how it shifted. And what they do is they go, well, I don't want to sin, so I'm going to put a hedge around that. And I won't go anywhere where somebody's drinking alcohol. And then what happens is it shifted after that. And then if you're somewhere that someone's drinking alcohol, now you're in sin. And so the next generation says, well, I don't want to be somewhere people are drinking alcohol because that's sin. So now I'm going to put another hedge around that and I just won't ever associate with any person who has ever even tasted alcohol. And we got a hedge. And then we get another hedge and we go, wait, is it true that ethanol is like 95% alcohol? Well, I don't want to put alcohol in my car and make my car an alcoholic. <laughs> and so I'm going to put a hedge around the ethanol. And the next generation goes, wait, cars can be alcoholics? Well, I don't want to be a sin and make the car stumble. So I'm going to just put a hedge around cars and I'm going to drive a horse and buggy. I'm going to be Amish now. 
And it all came from, stop getting drunk. And it became, y'all are Amish. <laughs> and it's stupid. Do you see that? Right? Another example would be this, all right? Um, and then, by the way, I'm not telling you to drink alcohol. In fact, um, I'm not telling you you should drink it at all. Many of you should never drink it. And, and, you know, I've got friends who would tell you this, that I don't know anyone whose life has been enhanced by it, but I know people whose lives have been destroyed, right? Um, but, but what they can't do is that what we want to do is talk about wisdom versus sin, okay? And so Scripture says not everything, is, not everything that is permissible is beneficial, okay? So don't be like going home, pastor said I should drink. No, I didn't. Lying is sin. Let's put a hedge around that, Right? You know, it's unwise versus sin. But what, what's bad is when I say that the hedge is sin, okay? Another example would be this. Don't look at a woman lustfully, all right? Well, what the holiness movement did was because, again, good, good desire, right? I don't want to look at women and lust. I want that problem back in my life, right? Good, good one. So then what they would do is be like, well, I don't want to, I better not dance with a woman because if I dance with her, I'm going to want to have sex right now. So best not do that. So we put a hedge around the dancing. We got lust in the middle. Now we got a hedge around dancing, right? And then they're like, dancing? Whew. I don't want to dance because dancing's sin. And I don't want to get tempted to dance. So I better not go to anybody's wedding that has dancing at it. So we put a hedge around events with dancing now. And then after, this happened, by the way. I ain't making a joke. And then they're like, well, I, I don't want to get tempted to, to, to I don't want to like accidentally see dancing, so I better not watch Footloose. Because <laughs> there's dancing in that there movie. So we put a hedge around Footloose now. Then we're like, oh, Footloose is sin. I don't want to accidentally get used to watching movies and then accidentally watch Footloose. So I'm put a hedge around movies. Now movies are sin. Do you see what, see what hedge law does? And then what happened was we had a whole bunch of young people that were told growing up, movies are sin, dancing is sin, being in a gas station that sells alcohol is sin. And then they read their Bibles because we told them to. Because back then in the Holy Spirit movement, we're still telling people to read their Bibles while telling them things are in the Bible that aren't in the Bible, and they realized that that was the case. And so they're reading their Bibles and they're like, wait a minute. Being at an event with alcohol means I'm going to burn in hell? Jesus made what? <laughs> and then we start explaining it away, right? We're like, oh, it wasn't alcoholic alcohol. <laughs> like we started deconstructing things because trying to fit them into our own little hedge laws. And then we find out about Paul. Paul told Timothy to do what for his sore tummy? He said to Timothy, Timothy, drink a little wine for your tummy. What? Paul's a false prophet. Because we made up a whole bunch of crap that wasn't in there. This is exactly the problem Jesus had with the Pharisees. They made up laws upon laws upon laws upon laws that were not in the moral law that God gave. Do not, I mean, sorry, he said, keep the Sabbath holy. 
So they're like, if you do anything that's even like work, that's not holy. So that was their first hedge. Second one was, and then like 100, you know, 8,000 years later, they're like, you push a button on an elevator, you will burn, baby. On Sunday, on Saturday. You're like, it's nuts, right? So then kids grow up, they see that we, that we didn't, that we weren't accurate about that stuff, right? That we, that see, we didn't value the word of God enough to let the word of God dictate what's right and wrong. We added to it and then they saw that and they gave up on all of it. See, we made up all this extra stuff and they gave up on the extra stuff. And at the same time, they gave up on the stuff that really is in there, like marriage, like gender, like abortion. They gave up on it all. Like God's design, like creation, like not getting drunk. And because we made it all messed up anyway, they're like, well, getting high on weed isn't drunkenness. It's the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, so, so we made all this hedge law and it ruined it. Hedge law. Hey, it's okay and it's actually really good to put up personal hedges in your life. All right? It's also really good to avoid things altogether if you want. What's not okay is when you take a personal conviction and try and make it corporate. Now you're a Pharisee. And people see through it. People see through it. When we add to what it really means to be holy, we devalue what it really means to be holy. Like when we mix up words... And we tell people this list of words that are sin that they can't find in the Bible. Come on. Come on. We can talk about offensiveness. We can talk about heart. We can talk about be kind. We can talk about not cursing people. But let's stick to what is in there. Amen. And then put up personal hedges in our own lives. So in response to this, the church just quit preaching about anything that could cause people to ask questions. They, they quit preaching about anything that was controversial in the word of God. And, and, and they went, because then they were like, man, the church is nothing but a bunch of legalistic haters. So then they gave up on all of it. But can I tell you, you're not legalistic when you preach what is in it. Come on. You're not legalistic when you say, don't get drunk, that's bad for you. That's in the Bible. You're also not legalistic when you ask someone, do you think it's wise for you to drink? It's not legalistic. You're legalistic when you say that's sin when the Bible doesn't say so. You're a Pharisee when you say, don't push an ele- a button on an elevator because now it's not the Sabbath. You hear what I'm saying? Preach what is in there. They gave up on it. Churches gave up on it because being different seemed to backfire. So they quit being different. They sacrificed holiness for conformity. The church lost its power to see lives transformed. But it wasn't being different that backfired. It was the hedge laws that backfired. When the church quit being different, the world lost its way. There was nobody with an anchor anymore. Values became progressive. Morals became about what's popular at the time. Things like, see, when, when morals aren't anchored in the word of God and values aren't anchored, when they're allowed to progress, they change with what's popular. So therefore, there, therefore racism was not popular. Sorry, racism was popular back then, which means it was good. And racism was not popular 20 years ago, which means it was bad. And it's becoming popular again, which means it's good. 
I don't want that. We've got to get back to holiness, set apart. Not just different, but different for the Lord. Amen? Where our values come from the Word of God. Because there was no one talking about what it means to be holy. And when nobody's talking about what it means to be holy, nobody's seeing their lives transformed or regenerated. And those unregenerated, untransformed lives are, are passing on their unregenerated, untransformed, progressive values to the next generation. But God is saying, we've got to come back to holiness. <coughs> we've got... Sorry. <coughs> we've got to come back to holiness. Sorry, I got the monkey pox. <clears throat> Don't worry, I'm going to get that vax though after church. Get that monkey pox vaccine in me right now, Fitz. <clears throat> you take your monkey virus back to hell. Anyway, all right. We're different. Amen. We've got to be willing to be hated from the world for being different. See, we're like, when did the world loving us become what's most important? Scripture doesn't say, see, this is the most often misquoted verse I find in the world. But first, you see everyone with their love first hats and their love first shirts. I like that. No problem with that. The problem is for 90% of the people who wear them, I think what it really means is love only. Because the people, most of the people that wear it, I never see them share the truth. Because love first implies something's coming second, but they ain't ever got a shirt that says truth second. You know, it's just love. That's it. You know. The um, I have no idea what I was about to say. That baby just distracted me completely. If no one gets saved today, it's that baby's fault. <laughs> no, I'm joking, all right? Relax. Relax. I'm sorry. So, is it your baby? Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, help me. Where was I? Love first. Truth second. There it is, the most often misquoted verse, where they say that it's by our love that they will know we're his disciples. You know it doesn't say that. By our love for one another, they will know we are his disciples. Everybody just got so fired up about loving the world. And, what, and then what they're, they're, they're gauge on whether they're doing a good job of that is whether the world loves them back. It's like the, the love of the world is our gauge. No, 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 no. We, 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 we got to love each other and then let them see how way different it is in here. Recognize that something's going on in here. There's a God at work in here and they will know that we are his disciples. Amen. Amen. We got to get back to being different in here. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.